0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Feed the Wolf podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Homer. How do you pronounce your last name? Britain. Britain. Okay. I didn't know if it was Brighton or Britain. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Homer Britton from Black Wolf CrossFit. And I think he has a very interesting story, which is why I wanted to sit down with him. But also because you kind of just have like this energy about you. I believe like when you come to class, you're always cheerful you always got a smile you're always encouraging everyone but you're one of those people where it's just like oh homer's in class today like <laughs> hell yeah, kind yeah of it's thing, usually because
1: so. i'm the first time i see you guys it's like the first time i see people for the day <laughs> so i'm excited like a kid at the first day of school when i see people at the gym
0: well there you go yeah so whenever homer walks in it's always like a positive energy um, you're actually kind of hard to read, too. So I'm like, I got to <laughs> sit down with this guy and, and try to see if I can dig, dig deep and find some more about him. So um, just go ahead and like give us a little bit of a background. like Tell us where are you from? Why are you in Houston, Texas? And kind of just let us know your background a little bit.
1: So that story is always funny because it's long. Uh, I was actually born in Portsmouth, Virginia. I'm a Navy baby. Okay. Then uh, moved to Chicago, where my parents are originally from. Stayed there about 10, 9, 10 years. Then we moved down to Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, spent like 16 years there. And I started to hate it. Uh, 2014 was a really rough year for me. Uh, I had one of my fraternity brothers that I was really close with die of cancer. Uh, I had two other fraternity brothers actually commit suicide. And wow. I kind of fell into a deep depression. And the only way I saw out of that was moving. Okay. And uh, New York was number one. And then I realized my job wasn't going to give me any more money if I left. And Houston was the uh, next city on my list. Uh, And the reason being is it actually is a uh, major, it's a very diverse city, but also has a large number of uh, black women that are uh, professionally educated, which, you know, MBAs, college doctor, lawyers. And that's kind of what I was looking for because in okay. my dating scene in Nashville was really bad because I knew everybody. So <laughs> I was like, Houston, you're number one. So um, I moved down here knowing, thinking I only knew like maybe two people. And then when I got here, I realized that, w- like, two of my classmates from high school lived here. Um, one of the guys that I knew, fraternity brothers from Vandy, was here. Then another one it just came out to me knowing a lot of people when I got here. And didn't even plan it that way. I only knew, like, two people. Uh, Russell and my homeboy, with fr- frat brother, Matt. That was it.
0: Okay. You Were you in a fraternity then? Yeah. I'm
1: a, uh, I am remember Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The number <laughs> one fraternity, of course. Ice cold, ice cold. Yeah.
0: There you go. All right. So yeah, I mean, Houston is definitely a very diverse city, which is something I've noticed, but also like appreciated because I came from a very small town. <laughs> like <laughs> literally we had maybe like three black people at our school mm-hmm. and it was like people drove tractors to high school <laughs> on the last day. And I was like, what is going on? So if you don't
1: live in Milwaukee, I don't think there's any black people in Wisconsin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird. So um, I know you work in IT, but you had mentioned that you had a CrossFit coaching background. So, first off, what kind of led you to CrossFit initially? And then how did you kind of get into the coaching world?
1: Another long story. So, again, I went to uh, lived in Tennessee. So, I went to Tennessee Tech University. And usually when people see that in CrossFit, their eyes light up. I went to school with Rich Froning. Okay, yeah. So, okay, <laughs> and okay, like, then, and you're like, your eyes just lit up. <laughs> see? <laughs> <laughs> That's what usually happens. You're like, what? And your eyes lit up. So, um, CrossFit um, – I kind of avoided it, uh, but actually, so I knew Rich. Rich was a great guy, but my fraternity brother and Neo, which means a guy underneath me, uh, Elijah Muhammad, known as Easy, Mm -hmm. uh, he got involved in CrossFit. And then I would say around 2011, 12, he said, hey, come do a workout with me. He
0: was in your frat?
1: Yeah, we're in the same fraternity, same chapter. He was in my wedding. Like, we're really close friends. Okay. We're really close friends. Talk to him just about every other week. Talk to his wife more than I talk to him because he's always traveling and busy. But um, he got me to do it as kind of a dare, and I think it was kind (laughs) of a favor or like I want to haze you back type of thing, and I did it in his garage. So I used to do CrossFit in his garage first and got hooked. He was then going to coach at a gym, uh, CrossFit Hermitage. Uh, but instead he actually ended up going to Alabama and opened up a gym in Alabama. He had a great deal, went down there. And that's how I got started with like a classroom was CrossFit hermitage. Uh, Shout out to Brandy and Tom. Uh, They got me started really getting into it further. He kind of got me, you know, kicked it off, but they got me and kind of got me going back into it and really caring about the sport and seeing the fundamentals and everything in my form. That's where it all started to click.
0: Okay, and how old were you at this time?
1: 26, 25, 26, something like that, yeah, 25, 26.
0: All right, and then, so then what led you kind of to become a coach, or, like, how long did it take for you to...
1: Brandi, Brandi, uh, Brandy Forbes, like, watching her, she was just very detailed. I'm a project manager, or what was, uh, a <laughs> project manager, and some of the similarities in coaching... And watching Brandy kind of came together, but like her passion, I've always had a passion for sports. Uh, I played high school basketball, ran cross country, intramurals in college. Like my parents were like, you're not going to NBA, so you can't go to junior college or go play at a small school. Mm-hmm. So it was just intramurals for me. And then coaching, I got involved coaching with uh, summer basketball camps. And I realized that coaching the little kids and stuff, and I really got a passion for that. And so I've always had it. But then it was something that I really enjoyed, which was CrossFit. And I uh, just watching Brandy and what she did and the the joy she brought into it. And then the the clicking, which I guess we'll talk about a little later, but really watching her as a person, as a coach, I really enjoyed. And I was like, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it too. And it was just more because we have similar personalities because she's kind of blunt for us, and, and, it's, <laughs> and I'm the same way, but it was great, and I saw people be receptive of it. Some people didn't like it, but majority did, and it was they didn't like it, they didn't like being pushed, and they were just okay with medi- mediocrity, and that's not me either.
0: Yeah, yeah. How long did you coach then for, um, and that was what? your gym that you started at so
1: no actually so i had the longest internship process ever i think (laughs) it's like 10 months uh i had a lot going on in 2014 which was my internship year yeah and so i kind of took breaks and then i made a decision to move and so officially my first gym that i was a full-time coach was crossfit willow bend it was actually in bel-air uh that's where i started here in houston so that was my first official gym and that was 2015. So I got my, you know, I did a two-month internship there because I already did 10 months, had my level one and all that. And then when I went to CrossFit Willow Bend, uh, found a gym, which was crazy how I found the gym. Um, I saw a woman. I always look at people's shoes. And <laughs> I'm in, you know, we have, you know, the Nanos. Matcons weren't out yet, but Nanos, when you see those, you know you do CrossFit. And so back then at least. And I saw somebody in the grocery store, and I was like, hey, where do you do CrossFit at? And she was like, What? <laughs> And I was like, your shoes? She's like, oh, and this is in the middle of a parking lot. So, you know, of course, it was like, oh, my God, he's trying to steal my car. I was like, no, (laughs) I just want to know where you work out at. And, you know, we ended up becoming real good friends. That's Jennifer. She was actually my first intern at CrossFit Willowman.
0: Okay. And so you said, you know, 2014 was obviously, like, a really tough year for you while you were also doing this internship. Do you feel like CrossFit was something that – Kind of helped you through your depression. Oh,
1: CrossFit was my savior. Yeah, Uh, I stopped smoking, drinking, those things I didn't really care about. I lifted. I cared about lifting weights. I was kind of got obsessed with it a little bit because it allowed me to relieve. I was doing two a days. Mm -hmm. Um, It was my stress reliever. It really saved my life because I actually kind of had that deep path and kind of was going through depression, thought about suicide because Mm -hmm. I was. I've been dealing with death for so long, and this really got to me to see one of my friends, young, vibrant he's fighting cancer, you know, he's been fighting for like three years and he finally succumbed to it. I just couldn't take it anymore. And so it, it was rough for me, but CrossFit and the group in that community, really Tom and Brandy were great. And that was really why I even enjoyed CrossFit even more because of those two people.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is for a lot of people. Like whether they realize it or not, they're not just here like for the workout. They're mostly here for the community, for that one hour of the day that they get to themselves where they don't have to think, where they can kind of like have that mental right. escape. Yeah. Like I think that's again whether people will like realize it or not or yeah. whether they're aware of it, it's it's obviously way more than that. Um so coaching, <laughs> you coached for how long then?
1: So since 2015 officially then. So 2004 years okay yeah four years I say four and a half if you count my long internship but yeah
0: were you like when you were either coaching or kind of just getting into CrossFit I know you had a very athletic background were you ever competitive in CrossFit itself? I tried
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tried but I you know I was doing the two-a-days and stuff gearing up because it was 2012 uh, 2013 was my competitive year of me trying to get in shape and doing certain things uh the two-a-days uh, doing a Ollie lifting and doing programming, doing little local competitions. Um, I think he still has it. Uh, Rich has a look uh, competition at his farm or in Cookville every year. And one year, uh, I was a uh, squat clean, hang squat clean. And it was kind of like a ladder, and it went up. The highest weight was 300. And I got to 300, never have gotten 300 before. <laughs> I pull it. I get underneath it. i scream all the way up and as i walk off rich is walking past and i'm like yo beat that
0: oh man and
1: and everybody like the people behind her were like oh my god he just said that we both (laughs) laughed and kept walking because we knew each other so it was just me being silly yeah yeah I, I, i tried to be competitive but i realized at time even then I wasn't putting enough time in, like I couldn't put four hours I was still working sixty hours a week then. And so me trying to balance out work, that's what helped with the depression too. It was like, okay, here's my spot for two hours where I don't have to hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon where I had nothing else to worry about.
0: Yeah, I don't think people realize the sacrifice it takes to be like truly competitive <laughs> in the sport either. Like you gotta put in a lot of It's time. a full time job.
1: It's a full time job. You have to put six six to seven hours and you're doing that four to five five to six days a week. What yeah. bills can you pay with that? Because, you know, CrossFit, you don't really get paid unless you work at a gym. Right. And even then, living in Nashville, I don't think that would have been feasible. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I know I saw you compete this past weekend, and I could see it in your eye. Like, yeah, you have a competitive edge <laughs> a little oh, bit. Oh, I'm competitive
1: <laughs> as hell. But I'm competitive as hell. And it's actually funny that it came back, and it. I try to run from it. Uh, by coaching, because that's what I've been doing. I've been coaching so much to focus on everybody else, but mm-hmm. now the opportunity to focus on me, and then when I did the uh, competition competition with Kirby, it lit back in, and I was like, yeah, I still have it. At 30, 32 years old, I still have it. And yeah. so now I'm like, okay, I think I know what I can do. This intermediate, I can stay in that, that zone, and I can push there and try to get better.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's actually exactly what Ben and I have talked about before. Like, he asked me uh, on one of the podcasts or before one of them, Like, do you think that we picked coaching because it's easier to point out others' flaws or, like, look at that instead of looking inward and kind of, like, working on yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. you're it's so much easier to spend time, like, helping everyone else. Like, tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. Help them achieve their dreams than to, like, look inward. Um, So, for you, like, you've done the coaching. Now you've kind of shifted back to the athlete. Um, First off, what do you think kind of makes a good coach and then, like, Tell us about that shift. Like, is it easier to be the athlete, be the coach? (laughs) Uh,
1: It depends on what gym and what you're trying to do on that scene of, like, being a better athlete or uh, being a coach. But, like, what I look for when coaching or having a good coach is communication, having good eyes, um, the energy and personality. I don't think you can have a dead personality and be a good coach. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be a people person almost. Uh, You have to be someone that is willing to – change the way you communicate to reach the, uh, athletes. Cause that was something I had to learn because I kind of was like, this is the way to go. And, you know, <laughs> I dealt with, and I'm sorry, a lot of soccer moms and they don't <laughs> like being screamed at. And so it's just like, Hey, you came in here at five o'clock in the morning, you're complaining. That's not going to work. So, you yeah. know, making those adjustments and knowing how to communicate, which actually has helped me coaching CrossFit has helped me with my career in the IT world and making those adjustments as I move up the corporate ladder. Um, now with uh, coaching, which which one is easier? Being an athlete is easier. Mm-hmm. But being a competitive athlete is harder. So for me, knowing that I was like, my back squat was like 465. And it's been that for the last two years because I've been focusing on everybody else. And now I'm in here and I'm like, not supposed to be hitting 515. I'm 32 <laughs> years old. That's not <laughs> happening, you know, unless I put it in the time like a regular athlete. So now it's really like, for me, it's finding the balance of enjoying CrossFit and touching that competitive edge and you know black wolf has allowed me to realize that i don't have to have super specialized training to be in shape because literally what happened last weekend i don't have competitive programming i have general fitness general crossfit training and i'm in good shape i can be in better shape but that's just due to me being injured so you know dealing with that so yeah
0: i mean that's those are kind of the next things i wanted to touch on too like First off, why Black Wolf? Because it sounds like you've been able to experience a lot of other gyms and that you've had, it sounds like, great experiences there. Um, so why did you kind of pick Black Wolf? why The
1: name is myself, <laughs> Black Wolf. Yo, you know, So this is going to sound silly, but for me, I was looking for a diversity, mm-hmm. like I was looking for a town and the gym. And as you know, not a lot of black people do CrossFit. Let's just get that over. It's that's not That's true. They do it, but it's not a lot of numbers. So um, that's what I was looking for, a diversity in the gym. I was looking for a community feeling because I got, kind of got kicked out of the last gym. Not me, but they just killed CrossFit. And so I was looking for something close to the house, cheaper, because for <laughs> some reason CrossFit has lost their mind, and these $250 memberships, just I don't see – and for me being a coach, I don't need $250 membership or what they're trying to give you for $250 a month. But coming here, getting the vibe from Ben and Joel, that kind of brought me in. Uh, the people were – friendly-ish and then like the second time and the third time they were really friendly and so I was like okay hey you know everything was good but Black Wolf was one close to the house great people great programming I wasn't even like not sore but I could move that was one of the issues that I had I was coaching so much or coaching where I was only working out two to three times a week and then when I came in I was trying to do 80 percent or 70 percent when you're not training up that whole week, you shouldn't jump to that. But mm-hmm. even a coach, I know that. But again, that trying to be an athlete, trying to hold on to something, was putting me in positions where I was end up being sore, hurting myself, instead of uh, getting better and improving. Can I hit? I hit a plateau for like the last year and a half yeah. until I came here.
0: So you, we've mentioned a lot about diversity. So like, let's just let's <laughs> just tackle that, like. Obviously, I can't really relate as much to that, but, like, what have you experienced in, because you've played sports your whole life, like, yeah. within sports and then within CrossFit. Like, you've mentioned, like, there's not that many black people that do CrossFit. So, like, have you experienced any, you know, discrimination w- within sports or CrossFit? Or I mean,
1: sports, of course. I lived in Tennessee. So, you know, dealing with that when you play soft baseball and you go out to the country towns and stuff like that, that stuff, but you know, CrossFit itself, I would say I deal with more microaggression than I do like racism because you know, most people are just not gonna be like, oh, I hate you or anything like that, but they usually don't speak, they don't have that welcoming CrossFit vibe and you usually know it's because they do it to somebody else so it's like, okay, why did I get that when I walked in? Yeah. But here in Houston, I really haven't had that at all. Uh, the most of the times complaint I have is about music. Because <laughs> as <laughs> like a coach, I listen to music that curse, you know, it has it's not edited. But, well, these days it's edited music that has cursing in it. And so usually people get mad that about the cur- the music and cursing. But I'm like, you curse at your kids, so what does it matter? But right. um, no real racism in CrossFit life, yes. Uh, but, that you know, that's just a part of life. Like, you deal with it every day in some type of form, which is that microaggression. Okay. And um like uh this week, I was in line to get food at the airport and this pilot decides to get in front of me. And he's like, I, I call him out and say, hey, I'm in front, I'm I'm in line. He's like, Oh, you you, you were in line? Yeah, you just walked right in front yeah. of me. He was like, Oh, I thought you were talking to the, the with those other ladies. They're two old white ladies. We don't look like we're together. <laughs> so why do you and he just assumed he was like, Oh, well, it's only a minute. And I'm like, Well, you can get a minute behind me. Mm -hmm. I'm in line I was here don't go don't try to jump the line Uh, and then the funny part is his plane was delayed so why are you rushing and I'm trying to get to my plane so you know those microaggressions not being seen not being heard type of things those are things that I deal with and still continue to deal with daily
0: yeah I feel like for you though like one thing I've really noticed about you and like respected about you is that you always seem to speak your mind like you don't ever really you don't hesitate to speak up which is something that I'm really working on like you know, like, sometimes I have to deal with things just as a woman, like, not anything compared to, sh- I'm sure, what you do, but, like, and I feel like I'm always taught to, like, keep my mouth shut, and I feel like that's something I've really, like, respected about you and picked up on from you, that, like, a well, Homer, I'll, like, even you'll call out Ben sometimes, like, Ben, what you talking about? And I'm <laughs> like, wow, okay, like, have you always been that way? Yeah,
1: that, my wife doesn't like that all the time, though. <laughs> <no. laughs> but yeah, yeah, I've, I've always been that. I'm outspoken. Um, I, I always... A people person or people watcher as well. So I see that. And then also me being a coach, like in the gym, I see no ri- no reason not to call out the owner for not giving 100% or vice versa because I want him to hold hold him to the same standard he holds us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we work out together, it's the same thing. And he gets on me and I get on him and it's perfect. And we know it's not because we're trying to one-up each other. It's because we're trying to make each other better. And I think when people realize that, they don't have any problem. But if, it, if it's somebody that doesn't know me, they're probably like, oh, this guy, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, I'm going to express myself so you'll one know not to try that again, and two know where I'm coming from. And no, so, yeah, and I think, think you should do the same thing. It's just, it's it's just something new, and it'll be weird. But you know, it's so probably shocking people. I'm like, wait, did you say something back to me? You yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's uncomfortable for people, but I think ultimately they eventually appreciate it. Um, you,
1: you caught me in my milder days, so yeah. <laughs> I used to be really bad. So. That's i've gotten better
0: um so you've obviously suffered i know when i first met you you always were like yeah i got a knee issue so yeah. tell us a little bit about that
1: so my latest issue it all stems from 16 years ago not 16 is it 16 years ago yeah 16 years ago i know right <laughs> Make me date, i <laughs> dated myself you know right uh but i tore my meniscus and inverted it in high school playing basketball in practice in practice talking about yeah. pissed in practice, not a game, not a game, practice. Um, but I did that then at 16, went back at 21 and realized that they had removed my uh, meniscus, like part of it, and just cleaned it up and not like, you know, they didn't replace it. They didn't do anything. So I have been going on it forever, you know, and then again, cleaned it out. 32, what ended up happening is actually... Uh, I think last year I tried to relive my glory days, and I played in a basketball league. <laughs> and I think I tore—well, I did—I tore my meniscus in two places, so my lateral and medial meniscus. And then I had some cartilage uh, damage. I had some bone spurs, and you Damn. Know, inflammation yeah my knee's trash <laughs> uh it's actually like f- almost 40 percent on bone on bone on the left side and then on the right is 60 okay. so I have like old man knees I have like the knee my left knee is like the knee of a 55 year old
0: was it like really hard for you to come to terms with that Ye- injury
1: yeah, yeah yeah it was because like I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to lift anymore mm-hmm. um which is not I can still lift but I can't do a lot of the jumping and running around that I used to do. So, like, my wife runs and is in a running group. I can't join her because I can probably run two miles, and that's only one or twice a month. I can't do it every day or every other day like her running group. So, like, uh, I just thought it was going to limit my ability to do things. And so I kind of ran from it. So this is a year. Like, I literally knew something was wrong with my knee, but I was like, I can deal with the pain. I can lift. I'm strong. I'll ice it and keep going, which if this happens to you, don't do that. Uh, But. It took time to come to grips for it. And I was like, you know what? It actually hurt, started hurting really, really bad. And I wasn't able to increase on my lifts anymore. And I was like, okay, there's something really wrong. Let me go to the doctor and find out what's wrong.
0: Yeah, I think it's really hard to come to terms with that and, like, know when to continue pushing. Like, oh, I'm just being a baby. Like, it hurts. It's fine. And then to know, like, when to actually take care of yourself. And I think, too, like, especially if you're competitive, you know, it's, it's hard to – I feel like sometimes we lose our identity in that. Like, mm-hmm. I know when I was kind of coming terms to with the fact that, like, I I just had, like, tendonitis in my elbow. But I was, like, it made me think, shit, what if I'm, like, truly injured and I can't do CrossFit <laughs> anymore? And right. then, like, you start spinning the wheel right. in your head and you're, like, who am I without CrossFit? Like, right. who am I? And then yeah. you, like, go down that rabbit hole.
1: Right, yeah. And it was just so much because, like, it kind of goes to, like, me quit coaching for a bit like I haven't coached him since February and it was really like, OK, Homer, maybe it's you're hurt, but maybe it's just because you're not working out enough. And that's why when you do work out your knee, i was trying to find excuses because like mm-hmm. my knee was like swelling up all the time, like the size of a baseball and softball, really. And I found an excuse or way around it. And, you know, it was just like, OK. One night, it started hurting in my sleep. That's when I was done. I was like, I used to wake up out of my sleep, like not crying, but close to it, because I would move in my sleep and it would catch or pop. Worst feeling in the world. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) So I went to the doctor, one, shout out to insurance. Um, (laughs) I got it right before the end of the year and got an MRI. And that's when I got the news that I had a torn um, lateral and medial meniscus.
0: Okay, yeah. So, like, what advice then would you give to someone who maybe Go, be to, de- the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go to the doctor. Yeah. If they're dealing with an injury,
1: man, go to the doctor. Put your ego aside. Um, find out what's wrong before you make it worse. Because who's who's to say that I didn't make it worse? But I mean, I know my knee is trash, and I've had three knees, knee three knee surgeries. So there's no really way of making it better with what I have unless I hit like the lottery and I can go get some like stem cells and you know the injections and things <laughs> like that but my insurance doesn't cover that so um just take the time to one listen to your body listen to your wife <laughs> or your <laughs> spouse always right. Yeah, yeah your spouse or whatever that whoever that may be and then um listen to your body for real like it's, it's really serious because I mean you only have one body really I mean I understand that there are going to be you know I can have a knee replacement and things like that but what does that going to you know limit me in 10 15 years so
0: yeah. yeah i mean usually it almost always i'm just started reading this book called ego is the enemy and yes. it really seriously always comes down to your ego like who are <laughs> what are you proving when you just like push through your pain in the workout like there's a difference between like actual physical pain like hey i might be injured then like oh this is an uncomfortable
1: like lactic acid buildup yeah got in trouble for that this weekend. <laughs> I, was,
0: <laughs> I know. I saw you after the <laughs> clean. I was like, oh, he hurt himself. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that, that that definitely, my knee wasn't stable, and I have to get used to that, too, so yeah, yeah. definitely got in trouble this weekend for that. Uh, the double unders, when I went 40 unbroken, and, and you can see my face grimacing. My <laughs> wife was like, stop, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll stop, because it was hurting, like, I'll get out, and like, literally, it was, it was. It swelled up. My My knee and my uh, quad, my lower quad were actually swollen up until yeah. um, Tuesday.
0: I mean, it's it's hard to put the ego aside sometimes, like yeah. especially if you're a competitive person. Especially but. me, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have no problem saying it. Especially me, and I, I'm working on it. And it's it's a part prog- it's a process, and I think people need to realize that you're not going to fix it in like two months. You're not going to fix it in three months. No. It may take you a year or two years, but as long as you're on that journey of progressing and getting better, ego, sports, anything, that's how you make progress, and that's how you you know people see that. You yeah. Know, people see the change. People may not recognize it when you want them to, but they do see it. And then when you get that recognition for those things, um, you'll be surprised, and actually, it may warm your heart or just make you feel better because now you're 100%. Because like right where I know now is like I'm done competing until about September. Okay. Uh, I will start lifting again next week, but I won't be going back to heavy lifting until the end of July. Like I've come with up that in my head now. I'm going to stick that out. I'm going to try to do that and see what happens.
0: Good. What else are you kind of working on as far as like, what are your goals right now? What do you work on as far as like self growth? Because I know I've seen you post on your Instagram some stuff about like poems you carry around. Like yeah, I saw that today. Yeah. And if, I know like, if that, yeah, that's, a, that's
1: I learned that poem in one night, but that's a whole other story too. But, uh, <laughs> well,
0: and yeah. I saw you commented too, like on my post on relationships, like things you're working on in your marriage. So, yeah. like,
1: so I mean, marriage, marriage is new. You know, I've been married for seven months.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we
1: got married in November. Maybe messing up on that one. November, uh, <laughs> on the months, that is. But, yeah, we got married in November and making some adjustments there. Um, you know, like, reality and expectations and reality, those things kind of have to level out. Uh, but, like, being a better husband, I think that's something, again, you don't get start off a better husband. You have to work for it and uh, well, make no adjustments. Well, no one teaches
0: you how, really. Like <laughs>
1: Nobody. Uh, but that was one thing I would say, too. Like, make sure you have friends around you that you can talk to about everything you know so group group i guess and i'll say this, this is going to sound silly but uh black men really don't talk about things but i have a good group of friends that i can discuss things with some that are married some that are not and it's kind of we pass advice around and you know you fit your situation everything doesn't fit into the same circle uh, the same circle but Talking to one another and realizing that, hey, you have kind of went through the same thing I went through. If you have those conversations, you realize that. And in the black community, men don't do that. Like we don't do therapy, but I go to therapy, and so I promote it and tell people about therapy and say how well it's worked for me and how it's yeah. working for our, my marriage. And it's adjustments. It's I mean, marriage isn't easy. It's hard work, but if it's with the right person, as you you know, <laughs> you're gonna be finding out. Yeah. Um, you make it work, and you know a lot of people are millennials and stuff. We just give up so quick and everything in life, and instead of working hard for it, so uh, what I'm working personally is getting a hundred percent on my knee, um, uh, in the gym, or uh, maybe probably figure out how to get some damn ring muscle ups. I still can't <laughs> do those, uh, and I think it's because of my weight, but you know, that's another story there itself. But I've been getting that down, uh, but due to the knee surgery that went up and yeah. so you know it's balancing all these things right now and really with work I just got promoted uh, and so now I'm going to be focused on a new job traveling more uh, than I did before but still working from home so I'm trying to figure out my little priority list myself actually this weekend
0: okay yeah I think what you said too about you know black men don't talk about things but even just men in general like it's almost shame. like you're shamed for talking about your feelings or like you're weak if you do that or if you go to yeah. therapy and like I think it's important that everyone learns that, like, it's okay. Like, they don't give you a class of, like, here's how you talk about your feelings. Here's <laughs> how you, like, actually deal with life. And then you get into these, like, situations where you have to do that and you don't know how. And right. then you're in these arguments where you're reacting and, like, yeah. your ego gets in the way. Oh, and yeah. And you're like, what the hell? That's the
1: story of my life right there. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome. I mean – I think you're a really interesting person. I really thank Thank you you. for sitting down with me and kind of sharing a little bit of your story with everyone. I think anyone who listens to this will have some sort of (laughs) takeaway. Thank Um, you, thank you. But if anyone wants to know a little bit more about you or connect with you, uh, how would you suggest they do that?
1: Come try out Black Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Monday, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, maybe Saturday. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but I really don't, you know, I don't have, like, the videos up and stuff. I don't really promote too much like I yeah. used to, but um, H underscore Vi on Instagram. Okay. Um, <laughs> or talk to Miranda and ask her. Give to him get a to follow. Touch. Yeah, just give me a follow. <laughs> reach out. Um, you know, again, just live life. Uh, like my saying is, attack life, and I live that every day. And so you know, just have a good day. Continue to push, grow. Everything's not gonna go the way you want it to every day, but. Taking a stride that's what I'm trying to do now and you know men don't be afraid to be me. men just be respectful that's kind of where my, my thoughts are
0: hell yeah I think we should totally end it on that that's a great <laughs> great thing so thanks again Homer for sitting down with me
1: appreciate it thank you so much Miranda.
0: everyone else have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week
1: peace